You're listening to Tassie Encounters on Faith FM and we're coming to you live from Hobart, Tasmania, right across Australia. Each weekday at 9am, you can hear what the Bible says about past, current and future events. You can learn how to study the Bible more effectively. You can get to know who God is, why we're here and where we're going. And you can experience personal encounters with Jesus. I'm your host, Jason Cook, and today we've got Peter Watts back in the studio. Welcome, Peter. It's good to be here. Good to have you here, Peter. What have you been up to in the last week or so? Well, this morning I was driving over here and I saw a bright and beautiful rainbow over the city of Hobart. Oh, so nice. I'm always, always impressed by those. I and mean, you see quite a lot of them around the Derwent, that's yes. for sure. Yeah. So it's a beautiful part of the world to live in. But um, I have been, um, we've been sharing a series of messages in our, our series, Is God for Real? And uh, so we, um, our last meeting was on uh, Sunday night when we were talking about um, In Search of the Remnant, um, talking about, you know, does God have a true church on earth today? And if so, how can we find that? So we were talking about that on Sunday. And um, tomorrow night, in fact, is our last uh, evening in the series, Wednesday night, 7 p.m. And we're going to be looking, uh, well, we're going to, I'm going to share my uh, personal testimony from atheism to faith. And then uh, in our second session on Wednesday night, we're going to be looking at uh, looking for paradise. We're going to be talking about heaven, what the Bible says about that, what the Bible says about the New Jerusalem. And so that's always a, an exciting program um, to see what the Bible has to say about that. So that is 7 p.m. Wednesday. That's tomorrow. And that is uh, at 518 Main Road, Glenorchy, which is uh, the venue of the Seventh-day Adventist Church there in Glenorchy. And if you are in the Hobart area and you'd like to come along 7 p.m. tomorrow, you're most welcome. Certainly do that. I uh, I went to most of your programs last year when you ran a series over on the eastern side of the river, mm. and uh, they were very well worth attending. So um, now, of course, last week we studied Daniel chapter three, and uh, this was where Daniel and oh sorry, no, Daniel was away, but Daniel's mm. friends <laughs> were instructed along with many other rulers and and. Uh, I guess government officials were asked to bow down to this big statue. Um, today we're moving into Daniel 4, but if you want to go back and listen to the past episodes, you can find that on the Faith FM app. That's the Faith FM Australia app. You can find that in the App Store on your Google phone or tablet or your Apple uh, iPhone or the App or, Store or the iPad in the App Store. That's it. So uh, also you can listen on the Faith FM website. So all of our programs and our live programs as well, you can listen to on those devices. Now, what have we got for our listeners this week? I'm assuming we're moving on to Daniel 4. We are. So this series is called Daniel and the God of Wisdom. And so we are... Um, you know, wisdom is one of the themes through the, the book of Daniel anyway. But so far, we've looked at the first three chapters. We're now moving on to Daniel chapter four. And in many ways, uh, you know, you mentioned Daniel three last week where it was Daniel's friends that were put to the test. Their faith was put to the test mm. and they stood firm. Mm. And um, and Daniel wrote up the report. Uh, however, uh the author of chapter 4 is really Nebuchadnezzar himself. This is uh, the king of Babylon, the ancient king of Babylon, and um, he is the one who is actually writing, uh, it appears, in the first person here in Daniel chapter 4. So this is different to all the other chapters that we've looked at so far. And this is uh, almost uh, a testimony, really, is what it is from Nebuchadnezzar about uh, his experience with God and what God has taught him. 
Uh, and if you think about it, God has been teaching Nebuchadnezzar through the first three chapters as well. And it's very interesting to see his um, journey uh, so far of faith where God is revealing himself uh, through various ways. Um, we think about uh, chapter one where um, they chose to to um, re, you know maintain their um, diet from their their homeland rather than eat the Babylonian diet, mm-hmm. um, and uh, they were revealed to be ten times wiser. These uh, early chapters are very much uh, grounded in this idea of standing on your principles. Yes, really, isn't it? Absolutely. Last week we had uh, a question that we asked our listeners, and after our program, uh, someone else texted in. And um, Paula texted in actually and, and indicated that she had to stand for a particular principle and as a result she lost her job. Mm. And uh, that was uh, would have been a very difficult decision. And I know, you know, over the past few years there have been uh, people who have had to do that or have decided to do that. Sure. And um, it, it's tough uh, when we when we stand on our principles sometimes. Yeah, I guess, I mean, the, <laughs> yes, there are, it comes down to what matters most to you. Mm. Um, and I think that, uh, as we mentioned last week, you know, if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. And, mm. it, you know, we we certainly see that, that principle of uh, faith and loyalty and uh, determination mm. uh, in, in the last few few weeks. With Nebuchadnezzar, I suppose, um, what's interesting is you he, he's a... The king of Babylon, and he's brought these captives from Jerusalem, believing that his God has given him victory mm. over this kingdom uh, of uh, Judah. And uh, what he's seeing through the captives that were brought there, uh, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, is they are revealing to him something about the God uh, that they worship. And he's recognizing, through, over time, he's recognizing the powerlessness of his gods and the incredible um the real power the of, real power uh, of god yeah, yeah. Uh, that, that's revealed in god's foreknowledge and, and many other ways so mm. here we are in daniel chapter four and this like i said is uh, a story where nebuchadnezzar himself is telling the story and he's recounting um you know how god uh, has blessed him i guess so maybe we should read some verses here mm. uh, we're going to read for uh, for, through the first one, you know, verse one to nine, and then we'll unpack some of that. Okay, so this is Nebuchadnezzar's second dream, and uh, we're reading from the New King James Version. It says, "Nebuchadnezzar the king, to all peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied to you." I thought it good to declare the signs and wonders that the Most High God has worked for me. How great are his signs, and how mighty his wonders! His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and his dominion is from generation to generation. I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at rest in my house and flourishing in my palace. I saw a dream which made me afraid, and the thoughts on my bed and the visions of my head troubled me. Therefore I issued a decree to bring in all the wise men of Babylon before me, that they might make known to me the interpretation of the dream. Then the magicians, the astrologers, the Chaldeans, and the soothsayers came in, and I told them the dream, but they did not make known to me its interpretation. But at last Daniel came before me. His name is Belteshazzar, according to the name of my God. In him is the spirit of the holy God. 
And I told the dream before him, saying, Belteshazzar, chief of the magicians, because I know that the spirit of the holy God is in you, and no secret troubles you, explain to me the visions of my dream that I have seen and its interpretation. We're going to just pause there before mm. we dive into what he actually dreamed. Mm. But there's some striking similarities here with Daniel chapter 2, of course. Yeah, so the only difference is this time he remembered the dream. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. This one's like you would say, okay, this is easier. Mm-hmm. At least the mm-hmm. magicians and the astrologers and so forth, uh, they at least got uh, you know some information about what the dream was, but they couldn't interpret it for him, which do, is quite do think, interesting. Do you think they might have had an inclination of what it meant, but they wouldn't? They didn't want to interpret it. <laughs> that, well, that's a good point. Um, certainly, um, Daniel is able to to interpret it as we shall see later. Mm-hmm. But yes. Maybe they were afraid to tell the king what the dream meant. As we'll see later on, there's some serious implications that this dream has. And um, you know, we've we've seen uh, you know fairly recently, I think that you know there have been major rulers of major you know powers that only want to hear what they want mm. to hear. Yeah. Um, and you know, uh, are they? You know, it's important to have people who are willing to tell you the truth, even if it's uncomfortable yeah. for you. And uh, that's what, what uh, Nebuchadnezzar has in here with Daniel. With Daniel, yeah. And uh, he had to do that a couple of times um, in his journey there. He had, to, he had to tell the king some things that weren't... They, they weren't uh, all that... Politically correct. They weren't <laughs> all that easy things to share with the king. No, but before we get into that, I just if you go back to the uh, original, uh, like the beginning of this uh, passage... You know, it, it, Nebuchadnezzar the king to all na- uh, peoples, nations, and languages who dwell on this. So this is a he's saying this. Everybody should hear this. Mm. You know, and this is his own declaration, and um, and he's saying how great God is. Uh, you know, the, the the most high God, and it's very interesting. Even when he's recounting that he has this dream, his wise men can't interpret it, and. Um, he recognizes here in verse 8, but at last Daniel came before me. His name is Belteshazzar. His name is only Belteshazzar because they gave him a new name when he came from yeah, a Babylonian Jer- name. Yeah, Jerusalem yeah. to Babylon. So he's been given a Babylonian name. <clears throat> but it says his name is Belteshazzar according to my God, but in him is the spirit of the holy God. Mm. He's recognizing there's a difference between the gods that the Babylonians have been worshipping and the the most high God or the, the holy God. And so... Uh, Yep, he's called in, and this, again, follows the sort of similar pattern to Daniel 2. He has a dream. His wise man from Babylon can't uh, interpret it, but then Daniel is in call, called in. And when we're going to take a little break, and after the break, we're going to come back and have a look at what that interpretation was. We've got a question for you before the break. Um, in a culture so focused on self, how do we avoid the pitfalls of pride? This is relevant to our study today. So while we listen to this piece of music, have a think about that. In a culture so focused on self, how do we avoid the pitfalls of pride? Our show number, Tassie Encounters, is 0488880891. Text us in your thoughts on this. In a culture so focused on self, how do we avoid the pitfalls of pride? This is To You Be the Glory by Matt Mayer and Kari Job. Such treasure found in him Who could comprehend his heart and mind His wisdom had 
Tassie Encounters on Faith FM and today we're speaking with Peter Watts on the topic of Daniel chapter 4 and uh, we're going to get into some more of this in a moment but we asked you a question in a culture so focused on self how do we uh, avoid the pitfalls of pride we'd love to hear from you this morning and uh, do text us in on 0488 880891 
Now, Peter, we need to get in and read what this dream was all about because this time Nebuchadnezzar remembered it. Yeah, well, that, that, that's a start. Um, mm. However, he doesn't know what it means, and so we're going to read on from verse 10 to 18. So um, why don't you read some of those verses, yeah. and I'll, I'll pick out a few as well. These were the visions of my head while on my bed. I was looking, and behold, a tree in the midst of the earth, and its height was great. The tree grew and became strong. Its height reached to the heavens, and it could be seen to the ends of all the earth. Its leaves were lovely, its fruits abundant, and in, in it was food for all. The beasts of the field found shade under it, and the birds of the heavens dwelt in its branches, and all flesh was fed from it. I saw in the visions of my head while on my bed, and there was a watcher, a holy one, coming down from heaven. I'm guessing that watcher was an angel of some kind, but it Mm. says, He cried aloud and said thus, Chop down the tree and cut off its branches. Strip off its leaves and scatter its fruit. Let the beasts get out from under it and the birds from its branches. Nevertheless, leave the stump and roots in the earth, bound with a band of iron and bronze. In the tender grass of the field, let it be wet with the dew of heaven, and let him gaze with beasts, uh, graze, sorry, with the beasts on the grass of the earth. Let his heart be changed from that of a man, and let him be given a, the heart of a beast, and let seven times pass over him. This decision is by the decree of the watchers, and the sentence by the word of the holy ones, in order that the living may know that the Most High God that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men, gives it to whomever he will, and sets over it the lowest of men. This dream I, Nebuchadnezzar, have seen. Now you, Belteshazzar, declare its interpretation, since all the wise men of my kingdom are not able to make known to me the interpretation. But you are able, for the Spirit of the Holy God is in you. Again, recognizing that... uh God was with Daniel, the real God. Yeah, that's right, the true God. <laughs> mm. And so uh, this is so he has this vision, and and we'll get into the interpretation of it in a minute. But he has this vision, and um, he he um, it's this vision of a tree, and we're going to discover. I'm going to let the cat out of the bag here. We're going to discover that the tree represents Nebuchadnezzar himself. Mm. Uh, and what's fascinating here, you may notice, there's a switch here where it goes from. Um, describing in verse 15 i think it is yeah it says it says um nevertheless let the stump and the roots of the earth uh remain in the, in the earth bound with a band of uh, iron and bronze uh in the tender grass of the field let it let it be wet with the dew of heaven and let him graze with the beasts so it shifts from the it mm. to him mm. at that point and so it, it's interesting it's significant it's no longer about the tree it's actually about the king whom the tree represents and uh, you know it's talking about the fact that like a tree provides fruit and leaves and shade and all of these things um, his kingdom has been providing this for, for many peoples um, but it's interesting that um, you know, there's going to be a judgment. Something, something's going to happen. Um, there's a passage there in um, Leviticus, was it? Yeah, in yeah. Le- that's right. From verse 15, if you go to Leviticus uh, chapter 26, 18 to 20, some people have wondered what what is that reference to uh, bronze and iron? What is that really all about? Mm. And um, I will um, I'll read again 
uh, just verse 15. I can read it from here. It says, Nevertheless, leave the stump and roots in the earth bound with a band of iron and bronze. And so some have wondered why what that's about. There's an interesting passage in Leviticus 26, 18 to 20 that I'll get you to read, Jason. It says, And after all this, if you do not obey me, then I will punish you seven times more for your sins. I will break the pride of your power. I will make your heavens like iron and your earth like bronze. And your strength shall be spent in vain, and your land shall not yield its produce, nor shall the trees of the land yield their fruit. There seems to be a definite connection here somewhere. Yeah, so here is Leviticus is, is talking about, you know, there's a lot of uh, this in the, the early books of the Bible where, you know, God is saying, if you follow my plan and you heed my instructions, you obey my commands, you're going to be blessed, you're going to have an abundance. There's going to be a consequence mm. for you living in the way that I, you know, direct you because I know what's best for my children and if you do this you're going to be blessed but then on the other hand if you disregard it and knowing that knowing that it's right but you disregard it and you chase after something else you the consequences of that are going to be bad and so here um, what you find basically it, it talks about um, you, your strength shall be spent in vain it says um, what's it I'll break the pride of your power this is a judgment of God against somebody's pride mm. And it's um, very interesting. And the idea of the iron and the bronze there is simply talking about the fact that there'll be no rain. And so the earth will be scorched by the sun, as it were, and uh, the crops won't be produced and so forth. And um, I think uh, what we see here is, is something similar in um, Nebuchadnezzar's story. We're going to see a little bit more about why the dream uh, is given because the interpretation uh, is coming up soon. Another thing that it mentions in verse 16 of Daniel 4, it says, It says, Let his heart be changed from that of a man. Let him be given the heart of a beast and let seven times pass over him. Now, uh, interpreters have recognized these seven times as seven years, mm. uh, which we will discover at, at the end of the, the passage. It's interesting that Leviticus also mentions uh, seven times more Correct. for your sins. Exactly it? right. So um, here's you've got the seven years that um, this judgment's going to fall on him. And it talks about um, let him give the heart of a man. When we get to Daniel 7, and we're not there yet, there's a a vision of various uh, animals that represent kingdoms. One of them is a lion Mm. um, that has two wings. And it says, I saw that the, the wings were plucked off and it was standing on Two, heart, uh, two feet like a man and a, a man's heart was given to it so this is a beast that a man's heart's given to it here we've got uh, what appears to be a description of Nebuchadnezzar and um, it says you know what does it say in verse 6 um, let him be given the heart of a beast and so you sort of have some correlation there when we get to Daniel 7 but we'll talk about that afterwards maybe we'll read a little of the interpretation I think mm. Jason, let's let's have a look at uh, verse nineteen onwards. So he's had this dream of this tree, and uh, you know it says cut down the tree, <laughs> which is you know quite dramatic. Okay. But now we're going to pick it up in verse nineteen of Daniel chapter four. Then Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, was astonished for a time, and his thoughts troubled him. So the king spoke and said, Belteshazzar, do not let the dream or its interpretation trouble you. Belteshazzar answered and said, 
My Lord, may the dream concern those who hate you and its interpretation concern your enemies. Let's pause there for a minute. Mm. So he's basically, he's troubled by it because he knows what it means. Mm. And it's not good news for Nebuchadnezzar. Mm. And he is, you know, uh, wishing that it was better news. Because mm. the king say, well, tell me, tell me. Mm. And he's, um, you know, not sure if he wants to tell you. But he's, he's saying, tell me the dream. So here we have it in, in verse 20. The tree that you saw, which grew and became strong, whose height reached to the heavens and which could be seen by all the earth, whose leaves were lovely and its fruit abundant, in which was food for all under which the beasts of the fields dwelt and in whose branches the birds of heaven had their home. It is you, O king, who have grown and become strong, for your greatness has grown and reaches to the heavens and your dominion to the end of the earth. Okay, so here we have a a very direct... Uh, unequivocal, um, unambiguous declaration that it is you, O King. This is what this tree represents, mm. you know. And uh, certainly, Babylon was the at the time. Babylon was the greatest kingdom on earth. It was the dominant one, mm. and so uh, it's the one that was sort of uh, providing shelter, if you like, for for all those um, over whom it ruled. Um, so let's um, have a look at um, verse twenty-three. And inasmuch as the king saw a watcher, a holy one, coming down from heaven and saying, Chop down the tree and destroy it, but leave its stump and roots in the earth, bound with a band of iron and bronze in the tender grass of the field. Let it be wet with the dew of heaven, and let him graze with the beasts of the field till seven times pass over him. This is the interpretation, O king, and this is the decree of the Most High, which has come upon my lord the king. They shall drive you from men. Your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field, and they shall make you eat grass like oxen. They shall wet you with the dew of heaven, and seven times shall pass over you, till you know that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men, and gives it to whomever he chooses." And inasmuch as they gave the command to leave the stump and roots of the tree, your kingdom shall be assured to you, after you come to know that heaven rules. Therefore, O king, let my advice be acceptable to you. Break off your sins by being righteous, and your iniquities by showing mercy to the poor. Perhaps there may be a lengthening of your prosperity. There's lots of really interesting things in this, and we will um, unpack them, I guess, uh, a little more after the break. But, you know, the thing that uh, impresses me is that, uh, first of all, there's hope because he says your kingdom will be assured. That stump is left in the ground to let you know that your kingdom still will be assured. But at this point in time, clearly Nebuchadnezzar does not know you know, in this story, he does not yet know uh, that, that God is um, God, if mm. you like, and um, he's still clinging to some of those other traditions. So we're going to unpack that a little more as we come back after the break. We did ask you a question, and we've had a couple of answers. So the question was, in a culture so focused on self, how do we avoid the pitfalls of pride? Naomi says, we are the I generation. We need to look to Christ. Like Peter in the waves, we must look up, keep our focus off self our deeds try to help others as jesus did that will help keep the attention off ourselves and put it on others be the hands and feet of jesus and uh, eyes off ourselves Uh, and christina says um, i think we need to respectfully challenge one another on our behavior or anything ungodly e.g pride 
It's probably a scripture reference for this, but let me know if you know of it. Well, I guess, you know, this story is uh, part of that, isn't it? it, That uh, Daniel respectfully (laughs) challenged the king. Just in that last verse, he he challenged him to give up his iniquities, Mm -hmm. his his ways. So um, if nothing else, then it would come under the love of God and love one another. We are to look after one another, which also means guiding one another, if we get off track in our spiritual walk. Well, thanks for your responses today, uh, Christina and Naomi. Um, we're going to go to this song now, and it's a it's a great song because sometimes, you know, it's not always um, clear why God does what he does, but in this case, God moves in mysterious ways. He had a, uh, a plan for King Nebuchadnezzar and uh, a lesson, I guess, that he had to learn. Mm-hmm. So this is uh, God Moves in Mysterious Way by the Lockwoods.
Tazzy Encounters on Faith FM, and today we're speaking with Peter Watts on his series Daniel and the God of Wisdom. This program is made possible by the support of Adventist World Radio. Now, we did ask a question in a culture so focused on self how do we avoid the pitfalls of pride? And Margie uh, has uh, texted in as well to say that um, we, we need to remember to be constantly grateful and uh, thank God for everything, and that keeps, I guess, Keeps our focus off ourselves, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Mm. Remind that's that's good to to remember because, yeah, we we uh, sometimes think that we're we're the ones responsible for our you know prosperity or our um, place in life and what have you. But even our decisions are all guided by God. They're all influenced by God and His principles. So, mm. um, you know, we're we're lost and alone in the dark without Him. <laughs> So um, we need to uh, continue this chapter. There's a few more verses to read, but yeah. you wanted to review something from verse 27. Yeah, that's right. So, um, well, verse 26 that we mentioned, he says, the stump will be left in the ground um, so that you can know that uh, your kingdom will be assured to you uh, after you come to know that heaven rules. I, I kind of like that, heaven rules. Mm. Um, and so... Uh, he, he's he's, teach, he's telling Nebuchadnezzar that God is trying to teach Nebuchadnezzar something. He's not trying to destroy him, mm. which I think is interesting. Mm. Um, and in verse 27, it says, Therefore, O king, let, let my advice be acceptable to you. Um, and, you know, may that be true of all of us. May we accept the advice of the prophets of God, um, which is what Daniel is here. Uh, let my, my advice be acceptable to you. He says, break off your sins by being righteous and your iniquities by showing mercy to the poor. So it would appear here that obviously Nebuchadnezzar has been living a sinful life. He has been perhaps um, cruel and harsh with the poor uh, because Daniel's teaching him to do the op- opposite. And uh, then he says, perhaps there might be a lengthening of your prosperity. In other words, this judgment that you've been shown in this dream about the tree being cut down, um, that, you know, we we, uh, that 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 may be postponed if you change your ways. Mm. And we actually see this in some uh, some other stories in the Bible. You may remember some of our listeners might um, know the story of Jonah, where Jonah is told to go to Nineveh which was a, a wicked city, an enemy of Israel, and he was told to go there and say, yet 40 days this city will be destroyed. Well, he goes there eventually and delivers that message, and all the, the people repent, right, to the, from the king down to, to mm. everybody else, and they all repent, and therefore the city was not destroyed. Mm. So, so God relented from uh, the judgment that he was going to bring because there was a change of heart. And that's really what he's wanting to, to do here. But uh, what we read from verse 28 onwards is that um, Nebuchadnezzar seems to to uh, forget the lessons of that dream. 
uh, fairly quickly. So a short uh, memory. <laughs> yeah, so maybe we'll read, um, I, I'd say let's read down 28 to, to 33. You read yeah. a couple of verses and I'll read some too. Sure. All this came upon King Nebuchadnezzar. At the end of 12 months, he was walking about the royal palace of Babylon. The king spoke, saying, Is not this great Babylon that I have built for a royal dwelling by my mighty power and for the honor of my majesty? While the word was still in the king's mouth, a voice fell from heaven. King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is spoken. The kingdom has departed from you. And they shall drive you from men, and your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. They shall make you eat grass like oxen, and seven times shall pass over you until you know that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men, and gives it to whomever he chooses. That very hour the word was fulfilled concerning Nebuchadnezzar. He was driven from men, and ate grass like oxen. His body was wet with the dew of heaven, till his hair had grown like eagle's feathers and his nails like bird's claws and so this is fascinating because um you know he's uh, basically looking out and saying look what i've done mm. uh, how great am i um and it's all because i'm so powerful you know and uh, so his pride was uh, definitely on display and uh god had given us this dream about 12 months it says at the end of 12 months so it's about a year later and uh, he's forgotten the lesson of that dream. And I want to, you know, pause here and just think about the grace of God. You think about chapters 1, 2, 3, and 4 of the book of Daniel, right? I mean, this is, we're talking now, this is about um, nine years after the events of Daniel chapter 2. Mm. Okay, so, so you know, for 10 years, God is working with this pagan king. And I think for many of us, we would probably say, why bother? Let him go. He's a pagan mm. king. He's mm. lost. Forget him. Mm. You know, um, but God is so patient. We're talking nearly 10 years of God persevering with this man. And then he gives different him experiences that he's witnessed. Various experiences mm. that God is showing him through his witnesses, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Mm. Um, experiences that are affecting the whole kingdom, you know, the, with the... Uh, you know, Daniel 2 was big for, for, for King Nebuchadnezzar. Daniel 3 was big because, you know, Nebuchadnezzar was trying to change, if you like, the outcome of that dream by making the whole statue of gold. Mm. Um, and and God is then uh, delivering those he's, you know, w- wanting to persecute for not worshipping the image. God's delivering them. And, and all the people from that kingdom would have gone back to their various places around the empire with that story of how God delivered uh, you know that God saved, and so that, it's an incredible thing. And so here, even God is giving Nebuchadnezzar this dream in Daniel four, where he now has a year to change his another year to change his ways, right? So, and yet it's at the end of that year he hasn't changed his ways, and he's expressing again his pride and how great he is, rather than how great God is. And of course, eventually uh, that judgment falls, and uh, he. It, it seems to to have some kind of madness. It says, um, what does it say there in verse, uh, which verses were we looking at? I think at the end. 28 to 33. Yeah, yeah. Um, there we go, verse 33. So verse 33 says, that very hour um, the world was full. Well, let's go back to verse 32 uh, where, he, maybe 31, <laughs> while the word was still in the king's mouth, a voice fell from heaven. And um, says the kingdom's departed from you. So 
uh, it talks about him being driven from memory a grass like an ox so he's living like a, a wild animal his body was wet with the drew of heaven i'm guessing that meant that he slept outside mm. you know so that he you know if you've ever done that by the way if you've ever slept out overnight and i have sometimes i mean camping and you wake up and your sleeping bag is covered in dew and you're you know it's it's um that way and so that's what it's saying he's um and his hair's growing his nails are growing he's not taking care of himself he's not um you know being groomed and you can imagine being the king in the palace that they they would be you know very well groomed and so forth so mm. so this is um he's sort of uh losing his mind and i think um we'll come back and look at that a little bit um because that's obviously not the conclusion of the chapter there's still more mm. to go there's the the restoration and the lessons that are learned by this experience from Nebuchadnezzar, but he spends seven times, which we understand to be seven years, out there living like a wild animal. Our free book offer today is called God Cares, and this is actually book one of two parts. Um, this is the, the book that focuses on Daniel. There's another book, book two, which focuses on Revelation. So it's The Message of Daniel for You and Your Family by Mervyn uh, Maxwell. The Message of Daniel for You and Your Family. It's a best-selling classic in two volumes, God Cares. It contains research on the fascinating prophetic books of Daniel and Revelation. The author unites the most recent scholarship with a compassionate pen as he speaks to all who search for meaning in world history and current events, recognizing that both Roman Catholic and Evangelical Protestant attitudes and emphases have changed over the past century. Dr. Maxwell uh, speaks sympathetically to these various shifts in thought and feeling. He provides careful answers to those particular questions of interpretation that have become increasingly important in the last half of the 20th century. After reading this, you, uh, you'll easily understand the, the, the easy writing, but also the scholarly uh, approach and you'll appreciate more than ever God's care for you, and you will understand with new insights the meaning of these uh, prophecies and the world history and events surrounding them. So right after the break, we'll give away this book, God Cares, book one of two, and uh, we've got two copies to give away today. This is Same God by Hannah Kerr. The same God who makes the planet spin Tells the tide when it should rise Put the color in my eyes The same God who makes the seasons change Knows the number of the stars Every secret in my heart All my doubts All my questions And every fear I have about what might happen You're the same Of 
in darkness is a light There's no reason I should hide all my doubts All my questions In every fear I have about what might happen You're the same God You're with me in the middle of it all God, you're catching every tear as it Listening to Tassie Encounters on Faith FM, and we're talking with Peter Watts, finishing up his, our program today on the topic of Daniel chapter 4. Now, before the break, we did uh, talk about our free book giveaway today. It's called God Cares, Book One. There is uh, another book in this series that talks mostly about Revelation. But this one, book one, is about Daniel. We've got two copies to give away, and the code for today is Daniel and the number four. No spaces. Text that into zero four double eight double eight zero eight nine one. Now, Peter, we've got a few things to finish off. We've got a few verses mm. to read, and uh, for sure. Well, first of all, I was thinking, you know, as we were talking about this, people might be thinking, well, you know, it's a bit harsh on Nebuchadnezzar. I mean, he's just walking around the palace saying, you know, isn't this nice house that I built or whatever? Um, you know, why is God so hard on him? And I think we have to understand a little bit more about the character of Nebuchadnezzar and why judgment. What God is trying to do is turn him around. God is not trying to destroy him, as we see in this passage, because uh, it says that his kingdom is going to be restored to him. He's the one telling this story, by the way. Mm. You know, we've got to remember that. This is a testimony from Nebuchadnezzar in chapter 4. Mm. But I just wanted to have a look at some, um, if you think about it, Nebuchadnezzar, um, he got so angry in Daniel chapter 2, he wanted to kill all the wise men of Babylon. You mm. know? So he had a bit of an anger management problem there. Mm. Um, in Daniel chapter 3, 
he was so furious and he he was reluctant to throw them in the fire because they were such good you mm-hmm. know guys and they'd been so faithful and helpful but he did anyway and loyal, but he threw them in the fire anyway and heated it up seven times hotter exactly <laughs> and killed some of his own servants just throwing them in mm. so um you know he had a problem here if you look at jeremiah 29 verse 22 um just read uh, this one out jason it says and because of them a curse shall be taken up by all the captivity of judah who are in babylon saying the lord make you like zedekiah and ahab whom the king of babylon roasted in the fire yeah so we have you know evidence here that mm. um nebuchadnezzar as uh, you know he liked the fire <laughs> he, yeah and he liked to be uh, particularly cruel i guess to his enemies and there's another one here in second kings 25 7 it says then they killed the sons of zedekiah before his eyes put out the eyes of Zedekiah, bound him with bronze fetters, and took him to Babylon. That's uh, that's a pretty cruel thing to do. Yeah, sure. So well, the point being is that Nebuchadnezzar was a, a product of his time and a product of his environment. And this is the way of the ancient world. And, and you know, God is trying to teach him a lesson in order to get him to change his heart, change his ways. You know, we talked about the fact that, um, you know, mentioned his, his heart, that he would have the heart of an animal for a while. Mm. And um, so we might, um, I think, pick up this now in Daniel chapter 4. We're going to pick up verses 34 to 37, and then we're going to look at some um, things of, of what can we learn from this chapter. And at the end of the time, Nebuchadnezzar lifted my eye, sorry, at the end of the time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven and my understanding returned to me and I blessed the Most High and praised and honoured him who lives forever. For his dominion is an everlasting dominion and his kingdom is from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. He does according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. No one can restrain his hand or say to him, what have you done? At the same time, my reason returned to me and for the glory of my kingdom, my honor and splendor returned to me. My counselors and nobles resorted to me. I was restored to my kingdom and excellent majesty was added to me. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the king of heaven, all of whose works are truth and his ways justice. And those who walk in pride, he is able to put down. Mm. So that's an amazing chapter of scripture from, uh, you know, the king of Babylon, that he has had his heart turned by the way in which God has dealt with him, not just in this chapter, but throughout the book of Daniel to this point. And, um, you know, he's saying, uh, you know, all his works are truth and his ways justice. Nebuchadnezzar is not moaning and saying, I can't believe how God treated me this way and so forth. He's, he's recognizing that he needed to be turned around. And um, God allowed these things to happen to him in order for that to happen. By the way, this idea of, um, you know, this form of madness where a man behaves like an animal, they've actually got a um, a, a description of that and uh, a word for that. It's called, called lycanthropy, uh, where, where people can, um, you know, act like animals and, and go mad. And maybe this is something that, that came upon him. Mm. There's an interesting uh, piece, too. There's a, a tablet in uh, the British Museum. Um, it's called Tablet B 
M34113. Um, have you been there to look at I it? I have. Yeah. Uh, well, I haven't. I don't think I've seen this particular tablet, but no. I've certainly been to the British Museum a bunch of times. Mm. But um, the, the, it's a it's a fragment of a tablet, so not all of the text is intact. But it does talk about Nebuchadnezzar, and it has some interesting things uh, in there where it says he does not show love to son or daughter. He does not heed the word from uh, his lips, from his counsellors, and so forth. Um, his attention not directed to toward promoting the welfare of Babylon and so forth. So maybe this is actually um, talking about this experience where Nebuchadnezzar was um, out of the kingdom for a while and, and not in his right mind, uh, shall we say. But here he is uh, at the end of Daniel chapter 4, acknowledging that God restores his reason. He restores him to his kingdom and um, and he is, you know, now honouring and praising the God of heaven. It's interesting to know when you think about it, in pride, Nebuchadnezzar wanted to live in a golden kingdom forever. But by the grace of God, in humility, he will. Mm. And that's quite amazing, isn't it? Where, you know, in pride, he wanted to build this kingdom of gold. Mm. And... Uh, you know, sometimes we get the impression that God just, is just stingy or he wants us all to be poor or he, you know, he doesn't want the best for us. You know, he, he, he might, we might sometimes think of God as mean. But the reality is all God wants us to do is to recognize who we are, who he is, and he's going to ultimately give us that kingdom of gold. The Bible says that the streets of gold uh, in the New Jerusalem. So um, it, I think that, you know, that's quite interesting. Uh, it's interesting that in the Bible, in the book of Isaiah, Lucifer is compared to the king of Babylon. So pride was one of the original sins. He wanted to be the most high. He wanted to be the king, if you like. He wanted the throne. And, um, you know, this this in a way, he was comparing him to the king of Babylon who was behaving in a certain way. Um, you know, another thing that we could uh, think about is uh, Lucifer tried to take God's throne by force, but God is going to share his throne with the redeemed by grace, which is, again, an amazing thing. And it's amazing truth about God and who he is. Um, one passage in uh, Matthew 23 that I will read in verse 12, it says, whoever exalts himself will be humbled and he who humbles himself will be exalted. And so um, this this chapter is really about pride and humility and how we uh, we need to recognize God's greatness, recognize our limitations and uh, that without God, we're really nothing. Mm. Yeah. Well, that's a, a big lesson that we can learn from that in in particularly in the context of pride. And it seems to come up in various places in the Bible. Mm. Um, but uh, this is a, a great chapter to learn that lesson. Um can I say one more thing? Yeah, very quickly. <laughs> okay. Just God loved Nebuchadnezzar enough to warn him and restore him. Yes, absolutely. And he loves us the same. Correct. <laughs> and he's patient with us as well. But, uh, yeah. So um, next week, Daniel, uh, we're going to be doing Daniel Chapter 5. Yes, I thought you were calling me Daniel. Well, I sort of was. You but, almost. You know, we've got <laughs> so, Daniel Mateo tomorrow. But, yeah. yeah, Daniel and the wisdom, uh, Daniel and the God of Wisdom. We're looking at Daniel Chapter 5, which is the fall of Babylon. We're going to look at that in uh, some detail next week. Okay. And, of course, tomorrow we've got Daniel Matteo on our program. He'll be talking about the Bible as social justice. Um, we have had uh, our two books already given away, but um, 
if you've missed out, I might uh, contact you personally and we'll see what we can do with that. So um, I think that's all we've got time for today. Our our uh, program, I think it's a, it's a great topic, this one of... Um, of King Nebuchadnezzar to see the turnaround mm. and to see him re- uh, restored again. To read his testimony. Yeah. So this is uh, Chris Rice with This Is My Father's World. Have a great day wherever you are. This is my father's world And to my listening ears All nature sings and round me rings The music of the spheres This is my Father's world I rest me in the thought Of rocks and trees Of skies and seas His hand the wonders wrought This is my Father's world The birds their carols raise The morning light, the lily white Declare their maker's praise This is my father's world He shines in all that's fair In the rustling grass I can hear him pass Speaks to me everywhere This is my father's world Oh, let me ne'er forget That though the wrong seems oft so strong God is the ruler, yeah This is my Father's world The battle is not done Jesus who died will be satisfied And earth and heaven be one This is my Father's world The battle is not done Jesus who died be satisfied and earth and heaven be one and earth and heaven be one and earth and heaven